Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the friend I know that I can count on to handcuff me to a wall if I ever become a meth head. Mars! Hey! <laughs> you got me, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, meth head, possessed. Possessed, yes. Uh-huh. Or, you know, late night internet shopping. Whatever you need. <laughs> yeah. I hope if I were ever to go down the meth track, someone would throw themselves in front of that train. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, okay. For those of you who don't know what the hell we're talking about, today we're going to be reviewing the movie Resolution, which is a movie that makes me very glad that I do not do meth and that I live in a suburb. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But anyway, how about you, Mars? What have you been up to? I feel like we need to catch up. The world is a crazy, crazy place and things move fast. So how are you? I'm good. Things are crazy, as everybody is experiencing. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, trying to keep... Trying to keep a level head. Yeah. And trying to remember that there are still good things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My supervisor brings her dog to work. That's a good thing. Oh, that is a good thing. She's so cute, too. Her name is Marley. She's a black lab, and she's the sweetest, sweetest little dog. Well, she's not little. She's medium-sized, but she's so cute. Yeah. I feel like at this point, I'm using the awe subreddit medicinally. Yeah, my supervisor uh, advises that we all periodically, you know, maybe once every hour, hour and a half, just Google baby animal pictures. Because <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, that will always remain pure and wonderful. Yeah. Right? And she announces it. She's like, okay, guys, I'm going to take a 10 minute baby hedgehog break. I'll be back. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> or she'll be like, okay, today it's baby calves that have been washed and blow dried. Oh, I'm about that. Yeah, I know. I love those ones. I love those. Those Highland cows are my favorite. I know. They're so cute. When I went to Scotland, we saw some on the side of the road and I was like, pull over, pull over, pull over. And I went over and petted the Highland cues. (laughs) Because, you know, my ambition in life, like some people want to be a billionaire. Some people want world peace. I just want to pet as many animals as I possibly can. (sighs) I mean, you know, you went on a tour of a zoo with me, and every cage, I was like, what does their fur feel like? Tell me about what it would feel like if I were to pet them. <laughs> I loved it, because the tour guide would give facts, you know, like, oh, here's an interesting animal fact. And you'd be like, oh, interesting. Can we touch it? <laughs> no. At least, it's its fur texture. At least I'm consistent. <laughs> yeah, well, and at least you asked, you know? That is You're not true. just running across the savanna trying to hug wildebeest. Yes, I'm. I'm big on consent. Even when it comes to petting wild animals. (laughs) All right. So, Mars, as longtime listeners of the show know, we have a tradition here of ending every review with your recommendation on what to drink with your with the movie, right? If you were going to watch it again, what would be the preferred beverage? But we're going to do things a little differently. We're going to be talking about a wine this episode that we'll be drinking throughout the episode (laughs) (laughs) who was sent to us by the good folks over at the prisoner wine company they kindly gifted us a handful of their wines to try that they feel and that 
I also feel pair very nicely with horror films. So just quick details on Prisoner Wines. They're a Napa-based wine company that has won several awards for their proprietary blends. And the name of the company is based on the art by Francisco de Goya. Basically, there's a sketch called The Prisoner that is kind of spooky that is on the label of their main wine, which is also called, surprise, surprise, The Prisoner. But that's actually not what we're drinking tonight. What, Which of their wines are we going to be enjoying while we review Resolution? Tonight, we are going to be drinking something that is more up your alley than mine, I think, because oh. it's a white wine. Oh, I don't dislike white wine, but I prefer the reds. But I, okay. I know you're okay. a lighter, a lighter wine person. Well, uh, I'm learning that I'm a pretty ambidextrous, not ambidextrous, but like I'm pretty across the board is what I'm learning through <laughs> enjoying these prisoner wines. Uh, so tonight's white wine is called Blindfold. Ooh. And per the website, ni- I neither of us have tried it yet. We've been it's no, been I've been staring at, at it. Yes, the eye contact with this wine has been very yeah. intense uh now i'm not like i drink a lot of wine but not in a fancy way right. uh, so right. more of a uh this came out of a box way so i'm not the best at doing the uh you know oh i sent i taste a uh breath of is that a thing i don't know anyway <laughs> <laughs> you can see why they sent us wine yeah. we clearly know what we're doing uh-huh. uh yeah uh, basically my wine knowledge goes as far as wine or not wine so <laughs> but uh i'm very excited about this yes. per the website this uh wine is co- a mix of honeysuckle, grilled Ooh. white peach, and apricot. Oh, yeah, with some toasted hazelnut and mandarin for like brightness and acidity. Things. Yeah. Um, oh, and it also says the finish is rich and creamy with flavors of lemon zest and caramelized sugar. Holy crap! That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> if I were gonna order a wine, that's what I would want. Yeah. I, it's it's everything I never knew I wanted in a wine. <laughs> oh my god, it smells so good. It does smell really good. Oh, it smells really good. Okay, I can smell like the citrus already. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Oh, dang. Dude. Oh, my God. I don't like white wine, and I love this. It's almost a little spicy. Yeah. Like, there's so much heat to it. I get that creamy. I thought that was a little weird to describe wine as creamy, but I get it. Well, shit. (laughs) I think I'm learning to like wine. Oh my god. Okay, really so people like are going to think they paid us to talk about these wines, but they did not. I mean, obviously they did give us this wine, but I'm becoming a wine person, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, usually don't are like... all expensive wines this good? This, am I just right? Is that am I just been missing out all forever or are these especially good? All I know is they're good. Yeah, I mean, and this being uh one of my very few like actual nice wine experiences, this one's my favorite so far. Like, but, really? Because you know, I've done a few wine tastings in California, but like, wasn't super blown away by a lot of them. These right. ones, though, right. from the prison, yeah, yeah. And I like, I don't normally like white wine because I usually find it a little too sweet. Yeah, it's not sweet. And this is not sweet, even though they called it caramelized sugar. But it's like it's it's more tart. Yeah, it's tart and kind of like I said, like almost has almost like hot on the palate. Yeah. I sound like I know what I'm talking about, huh? <laughs> Maybe a- that's all wine talk is, is you just describe what it feels like and th- say palate. <laughs> and whispers of, or... It's just a whisper of brown sugar. 
Uh, Although I'm not getting brown sugar. I don't know. Maybe maybe my palate is unrefined. I don't know. And it's really pretty color. It is a really pretty color. All right, good. All right, prisoner wines. Killing the game. Yeah, they I are see killing you. the game. You feel free to use that quote on your bottle. <laughs> prisoner <laughs> wines. Killing the game. Rachel from the Stream Queens. <laughs> I see you. Mars from the Stream Queens. <laughs> awesome. Mm, yes, I definitely recommend drinking this. Oh, shit. All right. Well, Mars, we should probably get into this here movie. But before we do that, can you, for those people out there who may have mistakenly shown up on this show for the first time, they need to know what they are in for. Can you please give them our spoiler warning? The spoiler warning is that we are going to spoil this entire movie from top to bottom. If this is your first time listening, here's the thing, is that you should probably watch this this movie in particular before listening. You know, we try to say whether or not a movie would really be spoiled if you listen to this first, and I think this one definitely oh. needs to be watched first. Twisty, twisty. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> yeah, don't go into this one spoiled. Go back and listen to Mermaid Down, because that will probably be okay. But this one, <laughs> you should definitely... I have not been able to stop thinking about Mermaid Down. You know how, right? Like, usually movies, we watch them, and I almost immediately forget them. Like, yeah. It's a rare movie that sticks with me, but Randy and I have talked about Mermaid Down 50 times in the last it's two weeks. weird, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, we both agreed... That it wasn't necessarily a stellar movie, but for some reason it's sticking with me. (laughs) Because it's so unlike anything else. You know how they say when you're a child, time feels like it takes longer, summers are longer, everything Mm -hmm. feels longer. Because you're experiencing new things all the time. The way your brain works, the more you experience new things, the more time dilates. And I feel like the same thing happened with that movie. Like, I've seen all the movies, and I thought I had seen all the movies. So movies kind of leave smaller impressions on me. That movie was unlike anything I've ever seen. And I think it's sticking with me because I need, I need, and this is funny, I need resolution. Because, you know, we talk about some movies that try to do too many things. And usually our opinion is like, but I didn't need all that extra story. I just want But that one, I'm like, I wanted all the extra story. I just needed it in a different format so you could tell all the extra story. Yes. So now I feel completely... I just, I got blue balled by that movie. I just yeah. want all of that story and they couldn't do I'm it. Sure. And not their fault. It's, you know, like we talked about feature film length runtime did not allow to tell the as much story as they wanted to, but I wanted all of that story. Yes. I also need a director commentary to explain how it came to be. Yeah. I want the uncensored version. Was it wandering Russian mob money? I need to know! (laughs) How did this movie even happen? I can't stop thinking about it. It's such a freaking oddity. I know. I just, I so desperately want to see it turned into like a limited series or something because I want, I want all of that story and I didn't get as much (laughs) as I wanted and yet somehow I still came out of that being like, eh, it was okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's unlike any other movie experience I've had. It is. It's so weird. Maybe you shouldn't go listen to Mermaid Down without watching it first. Yeah, because I feel like we can accurately describe how strange that movie is. You, you gotta it watch it. It must be experienced firsthand. You can tell me all about what it's like to take ayahuasca, but until I'm on the barf and poop bucket, I'm not really going to fully understand that experience. Yeah, you know, Mermaid Down might be the ayahuasca of horror movies. <laughs> You've heard it here, folks. <laughs> Put that review on the DVD cover. Um, I feel like they should just dictate our entire podcast, and that is all DVD cover quotes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, back to this episode. Right. Uh, let's talk about the actual movie we're here to talk about. <laughs> 
Yes, this is a me pick, and I picked Resolution from 2012. It's directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who are kind of in the same vein as the Duplass brothers, in that they do these super micro-budget horror movies. Okay. They fund it themselves, they write it themselves, they do everything themselves, and they've made a handful of movies now that I think are really interesting, and this was the first one that I saw. They also did a movie called The Endless, and they did a movie called Spring, and they're all these really interesting kind of cosmic horror type movies that have maybe a touch of Lovecraft to them. They're really interesting. Yeah, I think we'll probably do another one of their movies sometime soon, because, yeah, I think... They're movies that stand on their own, but explore similar themes, and I feel like in some ways bolster one another. So I think at some point we'll do Spring or or Endless or something. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really into watching another one of their movies. Okay, well that bodes well for tonight. <laughs> this is a movie that is, it's a weird one. You like trippy sort of mind-bendy movies, which is part of the reason I picked this. So the reason I picked it was specifically because I know you like kind of slow burn mystery in the woods with supernatural vibes type of movies and this delivered yeah 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 yeah. okay good i'm so excited okay good and like i said i'm just like a really big fan of these two guys work together so i just wanted an excuse to talk about it essentially (laughs) so yeah so that's where we're gonna be talking about resolution tonight yeah i don't really have any production notes i probably should i know that these guys i mean they basically emptied their bank accounts to make this movie and it did the festival circuit and did really well. And they were like, okay, well, from here on out, we're going to get investors. We're going to do bigger movies. But what they basically discovered is if you try to do that, you just spend all of your time sitting in meetings and in development where you could just get out into the woods and make your own movie instead. And the time that you're just taking meetings, you could be on the festival circuit. So like I said, they've done three movies and they've got another one in the works, I believe, but they've financed them all themselves. And what's fun is in one of the movies, they actually star in it. So you get to actually... Ooh. Well, yeah, we'll get to that at some point. Okay. But yeah, so there's that's kind of all I have in terms of production notes for this. But let's go ahead and dig into the movie, I guess. Would all you right. mind doing the synopsis, my friend? Absolutely. <laughs> so we open with meeting one of our main characters, Michael, who's a graphic designer. We start out with this really strangely cut together video of his best friend, Chris, or as we'll learn, it's his best friend, Chris, who's just high as balls on meth (laughs) out in the wilderness shooting guns and hanging out with a dog and the thing about this footage is for me it was equal parts scary and unnerving but also there were some moments that were honestly really funny like when the dog Mm -hmm. runs away with his hat and he's like hey that's not gonna fit you (laughs) (laughs) this movie is definitely a blend of horror and comedy yeah, Chris, I loved that character. Just the way he delivered so that glad. character. Hilarious. Oh my god. I'm going to work Punisher of Eyes into my everyday vernacular <laughs> I now. I, I, I'd seen the movie before, but I forgot about it. And when he said that, I died. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, we're getting out of our And just all those times where Michael's trying to get him involved in, you know, the plot, of, you know, whatever. And Chris is just like, oh, what? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Or like when he wakes up hungover and he's like, oh, I feel like shit, but in a different way. (laughs) He's funny. He was really funny. funny. He was really funny. I looked at his IMDb because I was like, what else has this guy been in? And he really hasn't been in much. And that's crazy to me. That's a shame. Great. Yeah, that's a real shame because he's Mm -hmm. hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, so Michael's watching this video and the video came attached with a map. And so he's 
realizing he's received this sort of call for help from his friend Chris, who's a drug addict, and a map to this remote cabin that he's that we find out he's squatting in. Yeah. And so he makes his plan to go out, find Chris, and take him to rehab. Well, maybe take him to rehab. If not take him to rehab, he's got a backup plan. <laughs> his wife who is pregnant is thinks this is a really bad idea but he goes anyway he finds the cabin chris is just high and shooting guns at the birds because the birds keep stealing his shit <laughs> he goes in and it's like you know what you kind of expect the home of a meth head to look like and he asks him to go to rehab he says no so michael ends up handcuffing him to a pipe and telling him i'm gonna force you to be clean for a week and then after that whatever you decide to do is what you decide to do and Chris is obviously rather upset about that. <laughs> yeah. Which another, it doesn't happen at this moment, but it's one of the times when Michael's like, I'm going to go into the town to get food. And Chris is like, oh, okay, thank you. Do you want me to come with you? I know. <laughs> I know. That part was funny. He just has great comedic timing. He really does. It was good because it just felt extremely natural. It didn't feel like, oh, this guy's trying to be a clown, you know? Right. He's really funny. So Michael... After he handcuffs him to the pipe, goes into town to get some groceries. This is when we're kind of first introduced to Charles and his friends, just because they're sitting outside of, of this, the store that Michael is shopping in. And when Michael gets back to the house, Chris is trying to saw through the handcuffs with a toothbrush. <laughs> As you do. And at that time, uh, he kind of claims like, okay, well, I'll go to rehab, uncuff me. And Michael's like, yeah. Right. 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 The setup for this, to I mean, this is a personal thing, but is really impactful to me because Chris reminds me so much of this friend that I have who is not nearly as bad at the moment. Fingers crossed. You know, he's really smart. He's really talented. He's funny. So, so funny. One of the funniest humans I've ever met in my life. But he has always struggled with substance abuse as long as I've known him. And I've never got as far as chaining him to a wall. <laughs> But I I identified with that fear and desperation that you feel when you just see your friend just spiraling. Yeah. And so right away with the camaraderie that they have, that natural feeling of friendship, plus like personal experience, I was fully invested in these characters. Yeah. Far more than I would normally be with a couple of white dudes in the cabin in the woods, you know? Right. But I felt like I knew them, and they felt so real. I wonder if these two, because neither of them are people who have been in a ton of stuff, I wonder if they actually are friends with the directors. Yeah, because they had a really natural chemistry. It felt real that they had this history of being right. friends. Right. And so as problematic as Mike's plan is, one of the things that I just really love about the movie is how we see the friendship unfold throughout the movie. It feels natural. Like they have these moments that just feels like banter between two friends. When you care about the characters, when you take this time between the humor and these really sweet friendship moments, it raises the stakes of the movie. And you know you're going into a horror movie, so things are about to go sideways, right? And you right away kind of care about these two people. And I think that always elevates a horror movie for me when I'm really concerned about the outcome for your characters. Yeah. Yeah, and especially as we get deeper into the movie and you realize this cabin is not really as secluded as you would have thought, right? right? And you get the impression that Michael maybe didn't know fully what he was walking into, but he had an idea. You have that kind of atmosphere of a town where you're like, oh, well, that's the end. That's the bad side of town kind of feeling, you know? When Michael goes there, you kind of know he is somewhat expecting this is a rougher area. This is where a lot of drug addicts are, and it's, it's a risk. 
he's taking, but he wants to help his friend. Okay, so while Michael and Chris are at the cabin, they get visited by Micah and Billy, who are old high school friends. So they answer the door, and they're just kind of like, oh, shit, Michael, hey, man, you know, and they immediately assume that Michael and Chris are getting high. And what we end up finding out is that Chris borrowed drugs, basically, and doesn't have the money or the drugs to pay them back, and Billy and Micah are rather upset about this. So Michael gets them to leave, but they are, you know, they're mad. So that's a thing. Yeah. That's a thing that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The, the clock starts ticking on the, on the meth heads. Yeah. Yeah, so he takes a walk, and he comes across... So, so far, all we've really seen are people who are kind of, you know, down on their luck, possibly also drug dealers, very, very violent kind of people. And Michael comes across these three dudes just kind of drinking coffee by a river and they're wearing super clean white button ups and they are the kind of friendly that also feels really unfriendly, like the kind of dangerous friendly, you know, sinister friendly. (laughs) And they're way out of place because, you know, he's been walking for a while in the woods and they immediately like... Not aggressively, but in a weirdly aggressive way. That aggressive way that's kind of masked by, I'm being friendly, you know? Uh And they're like, oh, hey, you. We've come out here every day and we never see anyone. So it's nice to see you. And I was like, I don't like this at all. Right. So Michael assumes that they're a part of a church group and they kind of are like, sort of. We mostly just want to tell everybody some, some crazy business. Like, the supreme leader will land before the end of times. And Michael's like, oh, dope. (laughs) i've gotta go now thanks for the info which is kind of just the beginning of where we learned that this is an area where a lot of people go for culty kind of purposes and ufos and trying to find you know all these supernatural kind of things out in these hills and so it paints a picture it sure does yep so Michael goes to the house and he goes down into the basement kind of area and he just starts finding just creepy shit. For, first of all, it's full of guns. Right. The first thing he hits you is just the arsenal of guns that are down there and you're like, oh, this is some scary redneck shit. Yep. Right. Especially since our first time we see Chris's video of him just shooting that stuff. And then, you know, the second time we see Chris is when he's again just shooting that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the kind of person that you want to have a, have a bunch of guns. But Michael finds a bunch of really kind of creepy photos, and he brings them upstairs, and Chris isn't scared necessarily, but he's just very like, you shouldn't have brought those up here. You should not be going through that stuff down there, you know? So Micah and Billy return, and one of, I don't know which one is which, one of them has the biggest wrench I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And not gonna lie, I kind of want one. (laughs) Not as a weapon, but maybe to just hang as wall art. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an impressive I, piece of uh, It was huge. Tools. I didn't even know they made wrenches that big. I assumed <laughs> if you're tightening a bolt that requires a wrench that huge, you're using a machine at that point, is what I assumed. I didn't right. think that you'd be using your own hands, but So sure. you're, if you were to describe your type, it would be a guy who can wield a wrench that big? Or just has one as wall art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just appreciate, like... You know how people have fascination with miniaturized things? You like big? I also like miniaturized things. I think they're cute. But then when you take something that's normally small and make it huge, I'm like, oh, that's cool too. I don't know why. <laughs> you just like playing with scale. I get it. I get it. Right. I like things that are unexpected, are an unexpected size, you know? Mm-hmm. Like pygmy goats. Adorable. Oh, pygmy goats. Right. <laughs> so cute. I know. <laughs> oh, I want one. 
But Micah and Billy are scared off because tribal security has shown up. And this is when Michael finds out that Chris is squatting and does not is not renting. And is not house. welcome. And yeah, is not welcome. And also they're on reservation land, which is it's if you're not a part of the tribe, you're not allowed to stay on reservation land. But Michael manages to bribe Charles and tell him, I just need five days. If I get you cash tomorrow and Charles agrees to let them stay for five days. But it's not exactly like a, oh, yeah, sure, I'll cut you a break. It's very threatening. Yeah. Yeah. And did you see the new Dr. Sleep movie? No. Oh, he's one of the characters in Dr. Sleep. Oh, really? Yeah, he plays uh, the crow. But I think this guy is great. And he is able to deliver, which always impresses me in movies, is Quiet Menace. Yeah. Where there is a, an implied threat that you can sense the person is absolutely willing and capable of, of following up on, but it's delivered in a very quiet way, as opposed to, like, the other guys who show up are very overtly threatening. And they're scary because they're meth heads, but when this guy shows up, you're like, oh, it's a different kind of fear that he exudes. I love this whole section, because I feel like it really differs from your standard cabin in the woods, backwoods redneck horror. Usually the tension in those movies is about you're vulnerable because you're isolated in the woods and then there's cannibals or something trying to hunt you or a killer trying to hunt you. But the vulnerability comes from isolation. Whereas in this movie, the problem is they're not isolated enough, you know? It's all about the external tension of having too many people around you. Even before we get into the supernatural stuff, all of these potential antagonists And ticking clocks are showing up around them because they're in just a part of the world where it's a little bit like outlaw country, right? Mm -hmm. And so the danger primarily, even though they don't realize it, is maybe not the biggest problem they have, but it primarily comes from the community. And it works in two ways in that it sets up stakes, it has plot significance later, but also it's distracting, right? If the supernatural stuff that is going to start happening soon happened in isolation all of the focus of the plot would be around that but it allows those things to continue to develop un sort of under the radar because they have all these other things going on distracting them yeah the reason i think i like it so much is because it also feels very realistic and grounded in like a very particular type of redneck or like if you've ever had to stop at some creepy ass gas station on the way to a camping site Mm-hmm. you know yeah. you know this vibe you're familiar yeah. with this particular threat there is a methiness that you may have experienced if you go up into the, the mountains right that to me is even scarier than mountain cannibals because yeah. it feels real and i've had a few of those experiences where i have a friend with me who's just oblivious to her surroundings oh no. and so it's like we're in the store and i'm like just grab the ice and go. Just grab the ice and go. Let's just go. And she's meanwhile, she's like, oh my god, did you see this t-shirt? This is so funny. And oh, they have sunglasses. I'm like, get in the car. Just pay for the ice and get in the car. We got it. Can we just, can we talk about it later? Get in the car, please. Mm-hmm. I've told you about the time that I got pulled over and had to go to court in one of these places. No. So it was like way up in the mountains past Tahoe. And I didn't realize that I had a suspended license. I'd gotten like a fix-it ticket that had metastasized into (laughs) my license had been suspended and it turned into failure to appear in court. Oh, God. And I had no idea because I was also, I don't know, 19. (laughs) So I was a dum-dum on top of it just being stupid things. And I got pulled over and I had to go back to court. And when I got there, you stopped at the little town and at the gas station slash 
hardware store slash video store slash church slash public showers. Oof. Yes. And you have to go across the bridge to get to the courthouse. And so I'm like, you know, terrified 19 year old going across the bridge. Literally, it looked like deliverance. There was some kid in overalls with no shoes fishing off the bridge as I went across this rickety ass fucking wood bridge. You get to the other side and all of a sudden this fucking gigantic Gotham City style courthouse is sitting on the other side. So it's clear that every penny that comes into this community is done through that fucking building. Oh man. And I went in and the whole front row of the courthouse, like we sat down, was just dudes all chained together in orange murder suits. Oh no. And I'm sitting there waiting for them to call my name and it's like jail, 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 jail. Everybody goes to jail in front of me. So I get up there. The judge, I shit you not, was this big, beefy old dude who was chewing on a cigar, an actual oh cigar. God. He pulls me up he's and I am like, yeah, I'm Rachel and he's like, You're in big trouble, young lady. I was like, shit my pants. And you're like, I'm a I'ma die here. For real. He's like, this person is your public defender. What the fuck? I have a public defender? (laughs) So I sit down. I look over. There's two people at the prosecution's desk. And it's two people in fucking suits. And I look at my guy. He looks just like George Carlin with leprosy. He literally had open sores on his face. Oh my god. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to prison. (laughs) And so they start listing off my thing, and it's felony, 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 felony. And they're all technically felonies, but they're, like, failure to appear in court because of a broken taillight. Oh, my God. So they went through the whole thing, and then he's like, all right, we're going to adjourn for lunch. I was like, fuck! (laughs) I sit in this one tiny little restaurant, eating my lunch, shitting my pants, and I come back. My guy, like, asked my version of the story. I told him, and he's like, oh, wait, you have a case then. You just need to come back up here. And I was like, I can't take a bunch more time off of work to come up here and try to defend myself against. I mean, essentially a broken taillight was my crime. They started it and the prosecution was like, we like, we'd like to offer a plea deal. I was like, I'll take it. (laughs) And my lawyer was like, let's hear what it is first. So they ended up charging me and they allowed me to do payments. $900, but they knocked them all down to misdemeanors and let me go. Dude, I floated out of that courthouse. Talk about the ideal just throw money at a problem scenario. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. I know for sure that's where every penny of that community comes from that courthouse. I mean, I paid $900. Yeah. And at 19, that's a chunk of money. Yeah, I paid $100 a month for nine months. But that's way better than (laughs) what it sounded like it could have been. Dude, can you imagine what that jail would have been like? Can you fucking imagine? Your entire life path would have diverged at that moment. I'm still naive and in a bubble now. Imagine me at 19. I lived in Livermore, California. Never been anywhere else. I would have been fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so you I skated by a life altering experience. Yes, I did. Sorry, I know that was a very long story, but it was my one true brush with the law. There was another time I had to go to court over a jet ski ticket, but we'll save that story for another day. Oh my god. <laughs> when I accidentally rammed into a police boat. Another day though, another day. <laughs> oh sure, okay. <laughs> 
So now I just have to pick a horror movie that involves an accident with a police boat. Done. And a jet ski. And Pinky then... promise. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, where were we? Oh, so they find some creepy film footage of the moment when Michael tases Chris to get him handcuffed. And Michael's losing it because he's like, how did it? Because it's, cl- it's clearly shot from inside mm-hmm. the cabin. And so he's like, how did that even, there was no one else here. And Chris is trying to tell him it could have been shot through the window. And this was another one of those funny conversations where he's like, how could it possibly be shot through the window? There's no glass. There's no reflection. And Chris is like, well, it's not exactly 4HD. Like, (laughs) this is not quality film. (laughs) I love how he's just like, I have bigger problems, dude. I'm fucking (laughs) detoxing. I don't have time for your stupid, I found this video bullshit. Right. And I love that he kind of carries that through for most of the movie where he just does not have the mental stamina to deal with Michael's increasing paranoia where he's just like, I don't <laughs> care. Because he's detoxing off of meth, right? That's a hard time. I saw train spotting. Yeah. That's my only experience with that. But, you know, it looks awful. Yeah. And so I just love his whole thing where he's like, just does not have the capacity to deal with these two problems at the same time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and there's almost a moment where you're kind of like, wait, is Michael fucking losing his shit? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. As the movie went on, there were some moments where I was like, oh my God, is this actually Michael losing it too? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, no. So it's during this part that we find out that Chris claims he never sent a video or a map to Michael. And Michael's like, no, you did. You emailed it to me or whatever. And Chris is like, do you see a camera or a computer in here? Do you see? I would I would have sold it by now, which is funny because that's a good point, you know? Yeah. And the first time he accuses him of it and Chris just sort of brushes him off. He's such an unreliable narrator because at that point, first of all, he doesn't really engage. But you okay. can see how somebody who was that fucked up might totally have forgotten that in one of his moments of you know meth psychosis yes exactly he could have totally sent that video so in that moment you even though the movie gives you that information it does it in a way that doesn't tip its hand yet yeah i liked it so many things about this movie are really well done Mm -hmm. so it's after this that michael finds a creepy book propped up against the front door and it's scary campfire stories yeah and when he takes it back to the library in the place where the book goes is like a set of slides So he brings the slides home and a film projector, and it's a story sort of about what appears to be a war veteran who loses an arm in war, comes back to this house, or this area anyway, ends up just drinking and spiraling down into addiction and then eventually hangs himself. Yeah, That's something we haven't mentioned is that all of these little things that he's finding all have these three-act stories. Yeah. And they all end not so great. Right. And so this is when Michael's starting to get really paranoid because he's kind of like, you know, somebody's leaving these things for us. And what does this mean? And, you know, he thinks that it's maybe a prank by Billy and Micah. But you can tell he's a little bit kind of trying to convince himself Mm -hmm. that that's what this is. He doesn't fully believe that that's what it is, but he's also trying to not feel crazy. So he's like, well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, probably a prank, right? And Chris is still not engaging with this. He's still just like, dude. I don't care. Again. I do not care. Coming off meth, sir. Do not have right. time for this. <laughs> One of the things I remembered about this movie most and that I really like about this movie is, like I said, all the external pressure that he's getting from these community members is that there is also this mystery that's happening, right? With these strange discoveries. And they imbue the movie with a different kind of existential dread. Because each of these photos, like I said, they all depict essentially like a murder or 
some sort of disturbing content. And so there is something about the idea that these are almost little breadcrumbs that makes it even scarier, right? Because you get the sense that Mike and Chris are being watched. And that's something that I know I've talked about it on the show before, but there's something about the idea of something malevolent catching notice of you that terrifies me. It's why Mothman really scares me. It's why Absentia really scared me. Is this feeling of just being observed and also not realizing that you're being manipulated or being hunted by something is always super scary to me. And because there's so many of these other plots going on, you don't necessarily recognize that this is happening until it's way too late. Yeah, I've said it before. That's the reason why the the Mothman Mm. thing scares me, because you could perfectly coexist with Mothman until you notice Mothman, and then he comes for you. You know, dark-eyed children, same way. You're safe until they notice you. It's not like, oh, well, here's a list of things that you can do to keep yourself from being noticed. It's just a luck thing. You know, like, I just hope it doesn't see me kind of situation. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Being in something's clutches is always really scary. But I also feel like maybe because if this were happening to me, so many horror movies, I'd be like, and I'm out before the real shit popped off. Whereas something like this, that was kind of intriguing and mysterious. I could totally see myself getting drawn into. Oh, no, I would have bounced. Yeah. Hard. When doors started opening by themselves. Yeah, that's probably where I would draw the line. But just finding creepy things, I would be, I would be into it. Especially when he takes the library book back and finds the slides in the library, I would be like, I'm uncovering a mystery. And that's how I, I mean, I definitely go. I'm done. Yeah, I would have bounced the minute Micah and Billy showed up with that wrench. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the real life horror stuff would definitely have been problematic for me, for sure. Yeah, because I definitely would have been like, I'm about to be murdered and left in the woods for the coyotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you're correct. All right, I'm correcting myself. In terms of the (laughs) supernatural aspects of the movie, this is how I die. But yeah, the minute those crackheads show up, I'd be like, and sorry, dude, I guess you're going to die of meth. Bye! Right? <laughs> like, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to try one more time to get you in the car. If you say no, I got to go home. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's good, 100% you, correct. <laughs> oh, so Michael continues to explore the area around and Chris has made some comments. I think he said he found the photos by the stone house yes. or something like that. Because there's all these kind of a abandoned looking calf buildings in the area right and this is kind of when as michael's quote-unquote taking his walks he's kind of exploring the area and we kind of get some doors opening by themselves Mm -hmm. and some sounds coming from places and he asks charles for information about the area because as much as he's trying to lie to himself that it's a prank it's the wind you know what's going on but charles is very like you shouldn't be here you should have left And Michael finally manages to get Charles to tell him a story about a group of French students that had come to the area for research. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Like I said, I would have bounced a while ago. But (laughs) Michael is like, ooh, further clues that I shall investigate. But when he comes back to the house, there's a con artist who is pretending to be a mortgage broker. And Chris is pretending to own the house. I know the two con men facing off. I know. And then this whole exchange was so weird because everything the mortgage broker said was this poetic nonsense. And he mistakes Chris and Michael as a married couple who are trying to live their lives and all this. And then when he finds out that they are renting or whatever, he's just like, oh, well, sorry. And also, you know. Maybe we don't tell each other, anybody about each other's business. Right. Yeah. The strange thing is his like total ambivalence about the fact that this man is chained to a wall. 
Usually that will spark some questions. And he's uh, not curious. No. It was just such a funny, weird little moment. It really was. I totally agree. So he leaves. And Michael is rewatching the video that Chris sent him in the email, but it's different now. Mm -hmm. And it shows an argument that Michael and Chris had just moments ago because Chris is saying, oh, you should have just followed my lead, man. I would have split the money with you. And Michael's like, I don't want to, you know, that's nonsense, you know, whatever, eat your beans. And, you know, Michael's freaked out because it's like, how, how, first of all, how did this video change? And second of all, this happened minutes ago, you know, and Chris is still not interested. Well, Chris goes into conspiracies. He's still not. He's like the satellites. Yes. I loved it. He's like, I don't know how satellites work, but they're there and they're watching (laughs) us. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. He's 100% convinced in something that he doesn't even, he admittedly does not understand. No. Billy and Micah return, and they're just threatening violence, and they end up shooting Sarah. I know! I'm so sad! Whose real name isn't even Sarah, that's just the name that Chris gave her, and she's also helping him to write a book about squirrels. It was her idea. She's very creative. (laughs) Oh my god, Chris is so funny. I know. Michael buries the dog and keeps the collar, and he calls his wife. There's two or three scenes where he calls his wife and he just straight up lies to her every time. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. Chris was really receptive and we're just going to hang out here. And I sprained my ankle while jogging. (laughs) And, you know, this dog died of a heart attack on the porch and I'm trying to decide if I should go tell the owner, you know. But he does decide to go to the dog's owner, who is a French man Mm -hmm. named Byron. Yes. Anyway, so Byron invites Chris in for tea and it turns out that he's been in this place for like 30 years or more than that maybe i don't know but he was a part of that french research team that charles told him about who disappeared they all disappeared and byron starts into this really cryptic explanation of the area and about how people come here looking for portals to hell and ufo landings and you know demonic cults and stuff like that and he says this i had a little bit of a hard time following him because i don't know it got very metaphysical yeah 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 right and he does that thing with the mirror yeah anyway he thinks that there's a force in this area like a a thing some sort of entity that desires stories Mm -hmm. and how every story needs a beginning a middle and an end and he does this weird mirror trick and Poor Michael, who's the most sane character that we've met, is just like, I keep running. Like, you you know, you can tell he kind of thought, finally, another person out here who's not crazy. And you can see it in his eyes during the mirror thing that he's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Because Byron's smoking some sort of red weed (laughs) that he bought in South America and has been growing in the area. And Michael's just like, damn it. So Michael leaves and is just... Further not comforted by his experiences in these hills. No. Yeah. Terrible accent aside, I actually really love the scene. That actor, he shows up in a in a lot of horror things. He's kind of a character actor, and I always like it when he shows up because he plays these very eccentric, creepy characters. And I remember watching this the first time and being like, I do not understand what has happened. What this means, I know it's weird and metaphysical, but I don't understand it. So I was like, I'm looking forward to watching the scene again because I feel like I've seen the whole movie now. I know where it ends up. I'm going to be able to reflect on this. Pun intended. Not intended. (laughs) And let me tell you, I still did not understand it, but I did like it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because it kind of, 
edging into cosmic horror at this point. The multiverse idea, some larger entity. What's the difference between an angel, a devil, an alien? None of these things. It's all just yeah, oh, wait, human interpretation. The difference between an angel, a demon, and a ghost. Yeah, yeah. It all comes down to human interpretation, right? We're kind of playing with time because he talks about physics and manipulating time. And then he talks about himself and how he's layers upon layers of himself when he faces the universe. I mean, I do not understand it, but I do. There's something about it that definitely spoke to me. And even if I don't totally get what he was saying, what it communicated to me was that Mike and Chris really are in way over their head to a degree that they have absolutely no idea about. They're spending all this energy worrying about these human threats and it's distracting them from recognizing what the true larger threat is to the point where it's beyond comprehension. And so I thought that was really cool. And I, like I said, that mirror shot I thought was awesome where he's yeah, like, does really the good. infinity shot and then he turns it to Mike. He's having this sort of aside. And then by turning the, the, the mirror to Mike, it kind of pulls him into it in a way that I think is the tipping point for Mike. He was like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. totally resonate with that energy, <laughs> but right. I suspect he did, it's, he's past the point of no return at this point. Yeah. So Michael returns to the house and he and Chris have kind of a final kind of fight yeah. about stuff where, you know, Chris is like, I'm not going to rehab. We get into a little bit of the roots of Chris's problems where it turns out he's actually an incredibly creative person. And that's where a lot of his pain comes from because it means that he never fully feels like he's achieved anything because that's the issue with being creative is that it's a constant growth process and he found you know solace in being high and you know and I, I kind of like that statement he made where he was like even if I had your parents I would just be a guy with good parents who likes getting high yeah he's like my brain chemistry is someone who wants to be high yeah because Michael's trying to tell him, well, you were dealt a shitty hand. And Chris is like, no, I just, my brain chemistry likes being high. You know? And in this fight, Michael finally is like, fine. And he's going to unchain Chris and be like, you know, fine. You know, because Chris is doing that whole, let me kill myself the way I want to kill myself. And Michael kind of is done. And also, I think, is so unnerved by all the things that's happening that he's just kind of like, you know what? This feels like a, a losing battle yeah. on my part. I, I think I got to bounce. Especially since his wife is pregnant and, you know, and he's just very like, I can't be here anymore. I gotta go. Um, but as this is kind of coming to a head, the projector turns on by itself and starts showing death and funeral photos of himself and Chris. And yeah. Chris is pissed. He thinks it's a scare tactic, right? He thinks that Michael photoshopped right. to scare him. Right. And then the laptop comes on and starts, also I thought it was funny during this that every time something happened, Chris is like, the wiring is obviously not up to code. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what's happening here. Yeah. He's like, look around. I don't think the wiring's up to code. He's so <laughs> funny. He is so funny. He is so funny. Oh my gosh. But the laptop starts up and it starts playing a video that shows Micah and Billy showing up at the house and killing Chris and Michael. So they leave. They run to Michael's car where they find a CD. And it's funny because it's like they have that moment where the shot is from the back seat, and they both are looking down at the CD on the console <laughs> between them. And Chris is just like, don't play that. And Michael immediately pops immediately. it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's audio of Charles murdering them and burning down the house. Mm-hmm. And Chris is just like, let's just go. Like, l- let's leave. And Michael starts saying, like, I can't bring this home to Jennifer. 
and and it's at this point where you kind of start realizing that Michael realizes it's an entity or it's a thing. Yeah. This is not something he can run from. Right. And instead, he wants to give it an ending. Mm-hmm. Right. So Chris and Michael return to the house, even though Chris is like, oh, that's, you know, the footage was at night. It's noon. Let's just go. We can get away from this. But they return and they have just the sweetest bro moment. Yeah. Where Michael apologizes saying that the reason why he did this is because he feels a little bit out of control of his life he's got this huge new thing happening and he feels like this was his last chance to do something great you know before his life is overwhelmed by the family being the priority kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i actually really liked chris's reaction this whole time where he's just like yeah man i don't give a shit it's fine (laughs) he just kept being like yeah he's like we're good dude i don't care yeah, you're being an asshole. I don't give a shit. It's fine. You know, <laughs> right. Like, Michael is really burying his soul and Chris is just like, dude, it's cool. Just it's fine. Yeah. And it was a really long scene, which actually I thought was kind of funny because it was pretty much just Chris repeatedly being like, dude, I don't care. I don't. It's fine. It does not matter to me. It's I am a meth head. It does. This is the least of my right. emotional <laughs> issues right now. Right. But while they're there, they see Micah and Billy mm-hmm. show up. And then Charles also shows up, and he murders them and burns the house down. So now we're kind of seeing the results of both of those endings right. being kind of merged. And uh, Chris loses it because the rest of his meth is in the house. He runs up to the house to try to get his meth back. Fuck. Yep. And as they're standing there kind of watching the house burn, we get this crazy shot from the entity's point of view as it rises from the flames and like does this cool kind of vignette thing Mm -hmm. where everything else kind of gets a little bit hazy and grayed out except for michael and chris and chris just collapses and michael's just staring up at in disbelief and then he just goes can we try it another way right that's the end of the movie yeah (laughs) well because the thing is is you have to have a beginning middle and ending right and so we almost get an ending where chris is like okay you know what forget it take me to rahab do we got to do it right now though i because he realizes watching himself almost die and then also and being willing to run in to get the crystal meth he realizes he actually does want to live and so you have this moment where you almost get this happy ending but it's not the ending that satisfies the entity And so you get this total gut punch of an ending where you think for a minute it's all falling into place and Chris is going to go to rehab only to have the entity turn on them. You're just like, fuck. And just the look of fear in their face as the thing rises out of the flames. You know, you don't see it, but because I've seen the cover of the movie, I was able to mentally fill that in. And I think on a budget as low as they had, if they had tried to show us anything, it would have been terrible. So I actually think the choice not to show it was the right one. And not even in a way where you see it shot this way and you're like, oh, I get it because they couldn't show the monster. But actually, that is a second thought for me. Right. My first thought being like, that's dope. We're seeing this from the entity's point of view, this entity that we we haven't even really talked fully about. It's not like we had that like, oh, ancient legend says. It was just sort of implied or referred to as like, yeah, you know. And I just, I thought that it was not just a really cool choice, but also a really good way around something that could have potentially been a really bummer ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I saw this, when the credits rolled, I was like, what the fuck just happened? That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I liked it. And I think it can be a very divisive ending, but I'm on the side of being into it. 
Oh, I'm pro. And I'm very pro This is the kind of movie that after it was over, I thought about it a lot and I tried to research. I was like, I want to have a deeper understanding of this movie. I wanted to continue to engage with it, which is always to me a good sign, right? Yeah. There's unsatisfying innings where you're like, fuck it, I don't even care. But whereas this, I was like, no, I want to know more. Yeah. I don't know. I think this movie works for a lot of reasons. You know, I love the idea of horror lurking sort of in mundane corners. This is something we talked about when she walks in the woods. I like to think that there's still some magic in the world, you know? Yeah. And that it could be in a mountain town full of fucking meth heads, you know? Right. Which, by the way, we didn't talk about it, but it's clear that they're from this area Mm -hmm. because they know all these people in common. And Michael got out and Chris stayed there and went into it. it. We didn't even go into that, but there's like some stuff there probably we could unpack. Yeah, I don't know. This movie just really captured my imagination with the mystery and the entity and like hints of something cosmic or bigger happening that I really, it just like spoke to my imagination. Yeah. I like that for so long, it's really ambiguous as to what the evil is going to be. We're having the clues being left and the images we're seeing, but we really don't get a clear picture of what it is. Because like I said, we didn't have any of those, what would have been a real bummer of just expository scenes right of just like oh yeah well the ancient book or these cave drawings or there's a legend or there you know whatever the most we get is that conversation with byron that is just not super clear right about anything you know and i i liked that yeah. approach a lot i agree there's like a handful of moments where you get hints but and you it's up to you to kind of put them together but they the thing is is that each of those conversations or moments like where he finds the cave paintings or whatever the case may be they leave you wanting more instead of explaining it to the point where the mystery is gone. Yeah, well, and even when we talk about all the different groups that go into that area for whatever reason, it's not all the same reason. No. It's not like, oh, everybody's going because there's a portal of hell. Not everybody's going because of the UFOs. Not everybody's going because of ghosts or monsters or whatever. There's all the different cults and the, the different religious groups and whatever and the research team and and it's all different stuff and I thought that was a really cool way to approach it because yeah this thing is you can't define it there's right. not a name for what this is mm-hmm. yeah I think you're like, right it does not fall into a category yeah and this movie I thought was actually had some pretty fun scares in it it definitely leans more into the slow build existential dread but it does have a couple of effective jump scares as well <sighs> When the girl is tapping at the window. Yes! That shit was so creepy! Yes! Or when he finds the guy sleeping in the cave. Oh my god, Yes! I mean, I love dread and the sense of the uncanny, but having a little few little, you know, adrenaline jump scare moments really kind of all comes together to make this like a surprisingly effective little horror flick, especially for something that is a micro-budget indie. That always impressed me. To me, that is pure filmmaking, where if you can, if you can turn a good script and good acting into a really effective movie that shows a real level of talent yeah yeah and i liked how throughout the movie we got certain scenes that right before we'd cut to the next scene it would get that film burn yes effect you know i was noticing it the whole time i was kind of like okay i don't know what this means and then you kept getting we kept getting film footage of scenes where there was not a third party and so you know and it freaked Michael out all the time because he was like there wasn't anyone else here how did they get that you know whatever and at the end you're kind of like oh, oh. this is the entity yes we're, we maybe had been watching 50% of this movie from the entity's right. perspective right it feels like a stylistic choice yeah and then you find out actually no it actually it's plot 
(laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's a whole level of unnerving where you're like, oh my god, we were actually watching this from the entity's point of view sometimes. Right. That's crazy. And then it gets a little meta. Is the entity a horror fan? Is he? Are are we the (laughs) entity? Are we actually the entity demanding that there be some satisfying resolution to this movie and unhappy with the resolution is this the entity's senior student film (laughs) so overall what'd you think of the movie i really liked this and i would definitely recommend it to people who are horror horror film fans oh i'm delighted yeah i love this movie it held up i was excited to watch it with you i was you know to and to revisit it and try to understand it I'm so glad. And I would definitely recommend it to people because I've been recommending it. <laughs> I've been <laughs> harassing you with this movie forever. Okay, so if you were to watch it again, though, here's the question. What would you drink? I know it's super on the nose, but I'm just feeling fireball whiskey. I'll take got it! The fire, <laughs> yeah. Got the little fire demon on the cover. Yeah! No, I think that's perfect! <laughs> yes, and I feel like you definitely make bad choices when you drink fireball. So, uh-huh. thematically, it makes choices. Yeah, and it's definitely the one where you wake up the next morning you're like how did last night end oh i wish i could do that a different way no shit (laughs) cool so for those of you at home we'd love to hear from you if you have some thoughts on the movie or something you'd like us to review or just generally want to chit chat with us you can reach us a few different ways you can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com i guess not few two ways <laughs> or you can hit us up <laughs> over on the zombie girls facebook page where we are always hanging out and would love to hear from you and if you enjoy the show please review us on itunes and we have in the past had i think twice we had someone request that we watch a movie and we did it and it was a lot of fun yeah. having having a listener pick our, our movie yes so if you have a movie suggestion or if you just want to hear us talk about something that you liked or something you haven't watched but want us to watch with you leave it and we'll do it we've done it before we'll do it again yeah, we will. one of the things i love about this show is that you'll pick things that i never would have watched and I, I probably picked things that you never would have got around to watching. And so having yeah. a third party which picked things that neither of us would ever have watched. Right? <laughs> that'll be super fun. I liked them both. Yeah. The two that we've done in the past. So leave it. Yeah. Also, we do have a history of watching things that are just bad. So <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe your... save us from ourselves. <laughs> if that's your thing, we're into it too. Right. It just <laughs> has to be better than um, indigenous. indigenous. And you're going to be A+. plus. If you need a lowest bar. Click back and find Indigenous. Give that a good watch, and then uh, then you'll know what we're aiming to hit above. That's the floor. You just got to get above that. Yeah. And that, I feel like, is a pretty easy thing to beat. Yeah, you can leap over that. No problem. Although, you know, maybe there's some sort of just pride prize in finding the thing that actually hits the floor lower than Indigenous. What's in the basement? If that's the floor, what's the basement? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mars. Your pick next. Do you know what you we're going to be watching for the next episode? I do. Oh, no! And I'm just realizing that uh, I probably already... <laughs> I already just gave the whole speech about find something worse than indigenous. Oh, no! Oh, no! What is it going to so, be? What I have next is definitely horror adjacent. Okay. But... Okay. As I've warned you, I need you to watch this. I need you oh. to watch <laughs> oh, this I think movie. I know what it's going to be! Okay, okay. Because I watched it, I cannot make head nor tails of it, and not because of the plot so much, but as because of the decisions. 
made. Wow, what does know. that I'm mean? Just, I cannot wait. I like cannot even I just can't even grasp it enough to describe it. It's so and here's the reason why I'm picking it. A because I need you to watch it and we need to talk about it anyway. Okay. So we may as well get an episode out of it. Fair. And two, because Mermaid Down went down so well, right? <laughs> that was a weird experience. Right. This is going to be a weird experience. Okay. I'm doubling down on weird experiences. Okay, so what are we watching? It is on Netflix, okay. and it is called Rim of the World. Rim of the World. Okay. So it is technically, I think it's a sci-fi. Yeah, whatever. But it's, you know, it's horror adjacent. It's got, it's got some scary stuff in yeah. it. But the synopsis is, stranded at a summer camp when aliens attack the planet, four teens with nothing in common embark on a perilous mission to save the world. Okay. I mean, that sounds fun. No matter what. It's gonna be weird. Is it, like, a foreign film? No. Okay. I am very intrigued. I just have so many questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am just so utterly baffled by this movie. Okay. That I need someone to watch this. It's like beyond I just want to talk about it. I also need someone else to be as deeply, disturbingly confused as I okay, am. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do something unprecedented here. We always ask people to write in, but this one sounds like it's such a wild ride that I'm asking people in the audience, you guys got to watch this first, and then you got to send in your thoughts, too. It's it's going to be weird. Whatever it is that, that Mars is talking about, we need your take on it as well. It's going to be an experience, is all I'm going to say. Wow! Okay, I'm very, very, very excited. This may be the most excited to watch a movie I've been on the show. It baffled me. But maybe you'll get it. Maybe we'll come back together and you'll be like, no, this is this is what it is. Am and I going like, to watch oh. it and it's going to turn out it's it wasn't it was actually the ritual or the. Oh, my God. <laughs> the ritual or what was that thing called? Was it the ritual? No, maybe. Wait, which one are you talking about? The one where I thought we were yes. watching the ruins? Yeah, the ruins, we actually. actually... <laughs> the one where I thought I was picking the ruins? Yeah. It's going to be like that again. <laughs> that is still one of my top five favorite stream queen moments is when i didn't tell you before recording the episode that i had accidentally picked the wrong movie i know and i was just like wow how am i gonna oh talk God. about this <laughs> i don't want to hurt anybody's peefees but ooh, this was and i love that the opening was and why did you pick this because i thought i was picking something else <laughs> oh marzy oh, all right <sighs> well next episode rim of the world we're going to watch it, you guys are going to watch it, and we're all going to talk about it together. We're all going to be confused. Yes. You can also, you know what we didn't talk about was, you can email us, but you can also just send us an audio file. Some people have sent us voice messages. Oh, we yeah. love those too. We'll definitely play them on the show. So yeah, get in touch. All right, Mars, take us out. Thanks for listening, everybody. Watch Room of the World. Please be as confused as I am, and we <laughs> will see you next time. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.